Hello, I'm Victor Kubik, President of the United Church of God. Thank you for joining us for a continuing episode of Inside United about our work in Ukraine. Today we'll have a slightly different format for the podcast from the ones that we've had before. We'll be discussing important recent events going on in Ukraine with one of our new producers here, Scott Buchanan. Hello, Scott. Howdy. <laughs> Good to be back again. I'm glad to be here with you, and I've really enjoyed our first talk that we've had, and yeah. looking forward to talking some more. Yeah, it's, uh, it was really good. I'm interested in, in learning a lot about this. Like I said last time, I'm just an ignorant millennial, so hearing all of, you know, <laughs> hearing an in-depth talk about this is 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 nice. So last time we we kind of talked about how we wanted to jump in uh, talking about Crimea in this episode and the events that led up to where we are now. So could you expound on those for us? Okay. First of all, you're not an ignorant millennial. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. No, I have really appreciated your knowledge and your more your appreciation for our roots, our background, and what's going on in different places well, thank in you. the world. But we were talking offline here about uh, where some of this tension and conflict began. It actually began a long, long time ago, but recently it began really with the grab of Crimea, mm-hmm. which I believe was 2014, right. where just out of the blue, the Russians landed on uh, Crimea, and just took it over very quickly. There was hard. There was no resistance really. People didn't know what to do. Uh, the Ukrainians were just very, very wary of provoking or escalating things. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a nuclear thing, but the Russians could come in and say, "Look, you're firing at us, so we're just going to you know, squash you." Mm. You know, in, in bully fashion. Bully right. likes to provoke, get people angry, and then uh, squash them. So Crimea was taken, and then Putin did not back off, he started working the eastern provinces of Donetsk and Lugansk. Mm -hmm. And those areas have very high Russian population, so he was able to get people stirred up in almost civil war-like fashion in them. Donetsk is an area I'm I'm familiar with. I'll just maybe comment about that. My aunt is from there. Oh, okay. You know, she's not living anymore, but she was from Donetsk. Mm-hmm. Lugansk is an area where we had a lot of subscribers to the Beyond Today magazine, and we had people taking the Bible study course. But with all the war going on, that we have heard from these people. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a very sad, but those are areas that we were familiar with in Ukraine. They were heavily Russian, and uh, there were people who were very interested that we communicated with. So Crimea is just, was it a part of Ukraine, or is it just its own separate entity? No, you, it's a province of Ukraine. It's, okay. it's kind of like a uh, peninsula into mm-hmm. the Black Sea. It's got a little little isthmus, you know, people cross, and then it's mountainous, actually. Mm-hmm. And the southern shore of Crimea is is tropical. Really? Yeah. And the Russian czars always had their palaces built there in the south. They'd come down there, you know, there. Yalta is a city of, of a vacation Yalta Conference, of course, obviously was held there, and it has kind of a California-like uh, atmosphere. I, I've been to Yalta. I was surprised with Russia being noted for being cold. Mm-hmm. Now that you get to you get to Crimea, and it's uh, California-like. Wow. So when Putin took over Crimea, that kind of just you know emboldened him. Because to me, it was kind of interesting because I saw that happening in the news, and nothing came of it. I was very uh, confused why. The rest of the nations just kind of said, okay, well, uh, you know, you can have it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And that seems to have emboldened him to now try to take over Ukraine and, and do the steps that he's doing now. Why do you think that nothing was done back then? 
Well, at that time, I feel like the national leadership of the United States was, I wouldn't say the strongest. Mm, yeah, I <laughs> would know? agree with that. <laughs> uh, try to be as polite as we can. And uh, they just felt like Putin shouldn't have done it, not realizing that these little dictators become big dictators when mm -hmm. they're emboldened and not stopped. Yeah. And the only language they understand is force. Mm -hmm. But you cannot appease them. You can't negotiate them because they have only one thing on their mind. First of all, it's themselves. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, it's their national glory, the legacy they leave, all, all, all the above. Yeah, and you know, you'd think that we would be smart enough to see this coming. You know, one of the things that my dad used to tell me <laughs> quite a bit, I was in AP uh, European history in high school, and I was not doing very well in it. And my dad's favorite joke was, you know, Scott, those who fail history are doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. So you'd think that we'd see this coming. You know, we the last century we had all... <laughs> all number of despots that were trying to do this very same thing and we tried to appease them and that obviously didn't work coming from you know seeing this fresh it's it's mm. frustrating seeing all these very renowned leaders not pay attention to history no and and it's just uh, very sad that we haven't been able to learn the history of nations on a macro scale mm -hmm. um, and also just the nature of the leadership of, of the different nations. You know, we have a culture of being a Christian background, you know, Judeo-Christian background. Mm -hmm. uh, we have respect for law. Uh, we, we have, uh, even though we're, we've left God far behind, there still is a relationship you know, with God. Under communism, God was totally expunged for 70 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was unknown, unknown. Churches were turned into museums or torn down. And there was no moral teaching in the nation for 70 years. Mm. And that has created a caste of people that are corrupt. Uh, they have no regard for law. Even when principles of let's all work together for one another, let's to each according to his needs, from each according to his ability. People would bring things up like that. It was never practiced. Mm -hmm. People were collectivized, put into large collective farms. And they just stole from them. You know, they right. just, nobody was motivated to do anything. Nobody had a desire to improve anything. Mm -hmm. And so you had basically the Soviet Union after 70 years collapsed, not because of a lack of power, but because of lack of morality. Mm -hmm. Just like a rotten fruit that just collapsed. Right. And so that's what, that's what we've had. But also the... There's a spirit in the people in that area of the communist spirit. It was oppressive. There was not the kind of democratic spirit that we have in the Western European countries or the United States. We have our problems. Believe me, we have oh, our yeah. problems. Yes. But th th those people uh, have little despots who will take advantage of a situation and, and, and rise up. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I was reading, you know, I listened to Jordan Peterson a lot, and he suggests reading the Gulag Gulag Archipelago. Socialism, yeah. yeah. Can't say it right. But <laughs> anyway, I've started to. It's a very dense book. He would talk about it very briefly, and he would say that even on a very micro-personal level, people would recognize that they could gain by turning in their neighbors. Like, if you wanted your neighbor's apartment, all you had to do was say that they weren't a communist, a loyal mm -hmm. communist. Police would show up and arrest them and take them away, and voila, you have a new house. So, like you were saying before, that whole culture was just built on this notion of selfishness and no morality. Mm -hmm. It's no wonder that, they, that the leaders now still think that they can behave that way because it, it's all they've known. 
But that was part of that culture. But also there was a despotic nature in the Soviet rulers, starting with Lenin, going all the way. The nicest one was probably Gorbachev at the, at the very end, mm -hmm. where he tried to bring in reform. And I don't think they could handle it. You know? yeah. so, and so they brought in uh, others like Yeltsin, who preceded Putin. We, and we had high hopes that things would change. Hey, we can work with these people. Look how things have changed. The Soviet Union or former Soviet Union, Russia, look, look how nice they can be. Mm -hmm. And Yeltsin, you know, was president, you know, there for a while. And then Putin uh, is the one who took over from him, actually, right in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. So that, that's when Putin started ruling. And you know, at first we looked at Putin as just kind of a little guy there that uh, he's not going to amount to much of anything. He'll, he'll be nice. He'll work with the West. And even one of our presidents said, hey, there's somebody we can work with. <laughs> I remember <laughs> th th those kinds of statements being made about people. But then quick, Putin quickly found that he could finagle and he could change the law mm -hmm. as far as re-election. And now he's pretty much a dictator. You know, he's been there now for 22 years yeah. and basically has is as dictatorial as, as anybody else. But before the communists, it was the czars. And that was the same type of structure. Mm -hmm. Feudalism before that, you know, we had slavery in America, but they basically had feudalism, which was kind of the same right. thing. Land slaves, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the, that were, the, they were called kripaks. That means people who were chained to the land. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't go anywhere. You know, they had to work for their pan, you know, for their uh, lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the way those societies were. But that's the way those societies were, you know, all the way through. So there's the nature of those people. Then when the Soviet system fell apart, a new kind of tyranny took over, mm -hmm. uh, of corruption, the oligarchs. And at the same time that there was this freedom and democracy, so to speak, there was also the discovery of petroleum in Siberia. Mm -hmm. And some people became extremely rich. They still are. They're the oligarchs. It's... It's uh, about 100 families that basically own everything hmm. in the Soviet Union. They're billionaires. Some of the biggest, some of the most uh, advanced billionaires in the world are still there. So uh, under the communist system, there were none of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But they secretly had their own ways that they did things. Right, yeah. But then right now, one of the richest people in the whole world is probably Putin himself. Yeah, I've seen his boat. It's amazing. <laughs> he's got his yachts. He's got his planes. He's uh, valued at $200 billion or so. He, he rivals Bezos and Musk, mm -hmm. you know, uh, as, as far as wealth. And the people themselves have not made headway. So in regards to helping out the people now in Ukraine, uh, I know LifeNets does a lot of work. How can we best uh, help them? Like, mm -hmm. what, how can we best use our resources to aid them in just, you know, everyday life? Well, that's a very good question because right now the biggest influx of aid you know, or, or people's concern uh, for someone else is through Ukrainian aid. There are several agencies around the world that are helping out in Europe, in the United States. The United States is always a leader. People always are awed by just how generous Americans are. Mm -hmm. LifeNets is a public charity, mm -hmm. and so we have made Ukraine right now our number one focus. And people say, well, what do you do? And let me put it this way. LifeNets, we have a couple of different tactics in how we're working in Ukraine. First of all, we're working in Ukraine, mm -hmm. not so much out of Ukraine. There are many fine charities uh, that 
are providing a lot of aid. They bring it to the border. They help people become resettled, and they're doing fantastic work. Mm-hmm. But we're, that is not our, our focus and our mission. You know, we don't have the infrastructure, the way to you know, move people around. We're involved with people in Ukraine mm-hmm. because we know these people. We've known them for decades, and we talk very openly with them by telephone, by WhatsApp, by messenger, mm-hmm. you know, and through many other different means you know, that we uh, communicate uh, with, with these people. So, so we know them, and we're trying to figure out how to help them. Now, one area that is under a lot of stress right now, as of today, which is March 29th, is our Center of Rehabilitation for Disabled Children mm-hmm. that we've been working with now for 26 years in Chernihiv. Chernihiv is one of the top cities that's been bombed in, in the, this war. Mm-hmm. It's 30 miles due east of Chernobyl. And it's gone through a lot. It's gone through the Chernobyl explosion right. that brought a lot of disease, especially of the thyroid gland, into teenagers mm-hmm. and into Chernihiv. Now we have this invasion from Russia. I mean, how much more can these people suffer? Right. And these are our friends. These are people that, that we know. Now, this, just to talk about the center of rehabilitation right now, mm-hmm. is um, these people have not been able to be evacuated for a couple of reasons. First of all, roads, Geneva has almost been totally surrounded by, by Russians. Right. There's not been a humanitarian, let's say, link or highway out mm-hmm. of the country. Last week, they blew up the main bridge right. you know, south of town across the Desna River. And also, it's very difficult to move these children who need care right. with neurological diseases. Right. So these doctors and the staff of people that we've known, there's 35 staff in, along with the, with the main doctors, have 50 children now that they rehabilitate. They have a capacity for three times as much but they have stayed with their children. Mm-hmm. They've stayed with their children in town. Some of those rockets, some of those uh, missiles could very easily f- randomly fall right. on their center because they're only about like a mile or two from right downtown you know, of, of Chernihiv. Okay. But right now, those people have lost all electricity. Mm. We gave them a generator a couple of years back and that they're re- relying on. They turn it on for two hours a day to charge their phones and to provide the things that they need for cooking, you know, and wow. other things. They have lost all gas. So it being wintertime, during the day inside the center, it's in the 40s and 50s wow. Fahrenheit. Man. They sleep with their clothes on. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a beautiful center. We've sent lots of aid there. We have helped build the place up. And to see them suffering, you know, with with a kind of indignity by people who don't care about children. They don't care about just normal things like I would care about you and have, seeing you suffer or right. have you injured where I would say, how could, I, how could I help you? Instead, they see somebody injured and they just make it worse. Mm. So right now, the people have been asking for inverter, three-phase inverter to provide 15,000 um, watts. Mm-hmm. And we're working on that today. Right now. Okay. But then we say, yeah, we can get one in Europe for you, but how are we going to get it past enemy lines? Right. You know, that's the thing. They said, well, if you can get it to Kiev, I thought, Kiev. (laughs) (laughs) If you get it to Kiev, he says, it'll go up on a military transport, you know. So they have their own networks there still in that country that that, that they work with under fire. This is not a movie. (laughs) 
this, this is a war. And we're talking to these people as though we are watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And the main doctor that we work with there, Dr. Vasil Pasichnik, he's 85 years old. Oh, wow. And yet he's as strong as can be. He's very, very sharp. And so we, we talk to him uh, or through his grandchildren, mm-hmm. uh, you know, continually. Yeah, well, good. I mean, thank God that there's someone there that, that is able to help. And I, I believe I read your article last week. How many, have there been a couple of children born recently? Right. This uh, center of rehabilitation has taken in some of the mothers and babies from a maternity hospital. To me, that's amazing. And I really have been struck by how many people are stepping up, even in small ways, to, to help out. You know, the doctor there, who's they're obviously ground zero. They're doing so much staying in that city, even, even though that doctor, he could leave. He's of the, the age or over the mm-hmm. age limit of being able to leave. But he's staying there and helping take care of all these people. Uh, and even just, you know, small acts of kindness that you see from other countries, too, like the mothers in Germany that are leaving uh, strollers at the train station so that the mothers fleeing Ukraine with babies can just have something to use as soon as they get off the train. Stuff like that. I'm struck by how many people are, are stepping up and really putting their own skills to use. They're putting their own resources on the line, even though they, they don't have to. But to me, I, I really appreciate that. And it's, it's nice to see, you know, amidst all this other terrible, terrible news. War brings out the worst in people, and it brings out the best in people. Mm-hmm. And it's just been very, very, uh, very, very refreshing to see that. We've had people in the church who have responded to me. Uh, some say, can we take some families in? See that, And that's amazing. <clears throat> that's so beautiful. There's a family in Canada that wants to take, take a family in. There's a family in one of, our, one of our northern states that also wants to take a family in. Mm-hmm. Another family wants to go to Poland to help the refugees, you know, yeah. as they pass through, because Poland has... I think they have about two to two million refugees now that have passed, wow. passed through Poland. And they have been just very, very open-hearted to these people. And most of these people, of course, is mostly women and children. Of course. Because yeah. men under 60 are not allowed to leave. Mm-hmm. You're expected to defend your country. I mean, it's, it's really uh, kind of an amazing spirit that the people have to defend their country mm-hmm. and their identity with their country and, and their uh, loyalty to their country. It, it is truly, truly an amazing phenomenon that we see there. But we had people here that I work with that have come together. Plus, Scott, it's brought out a very interesting phenomenon, too. I mean, when you have danger from the outside, you see people hurting, people forget differences. Mm-hmm. I have had people, I'll just be very open here, that have contacted me from my former fellowships. I've had people that have called me from Kagwa. Mm-hmm. You know, that I said, how can we help? That we want to help. And I don't even know exactly all the different connections that we've had in the past. But people have really wanted to help. I've had people who I haven't talked to in 20, 30 years mm-hmm. that have called me on the telephone and said, how can we help? And so right now, we're limited in what we can do. Because in a crisis like this, it's always the first responders being Red Cross, Salvation Army, you know, United Way, if it's right. you know, here, and they have United Way over there. They're the ones who take care of those big things. Mm-hmm. But there will be a lot of little, smaller things that will have to be taken care of. And so right now, LifeNets is collecting funds. And, you know, we have sent some through our banks. We're kind of testing it out because we're sending it to a bank that we can get money to then we see if they can wire it to some of these troublesome areas mm-hmm. so we don't have to have 
lose money. You know, right, exactly. That's a and, huge and, fear. And yeah. we have trusted people that, that, we, that we trust to accomplish this. One of the leaders in uh, relief work in Western Ukraine is an ABC student, former oh, ABC wow. student who was here, Vlad Yurishko. Okay. He was here in 2018. And you know, he's back there. He got married. He lives in Western Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But he and the church there have been taking in refugees. And he's one, he's one of the people I communicate with that I trust with my life mm-hmm. you know, to get aid. And they had church projects like to build bunk beds. And so they filled their whole church hall with bunk beds. You know, if you take a look at my website, lifenets.org, you can see what, you know, what they have done. And so they have become kind of a way station, you know, where people come in from the east. Mm-hmm. They house them until they can resettle them either in western Ukraine or get them to the border. And his dad is continually taking van loads of people to the border mm-hmm. to go into Slovakia to, um, uh, you know, pl- places west. Mm-hmm. Some have been settled in the Czech Republic, uh, some in Germany. Uh, we have offered some of these people to come to the U.S. But, you know, it's, it's hard. These, these people say, you know, I just don't want to go. Mm-hmm. This is home to me. And one young lady that we talked to, she's married. I said, her sister left and went to Slovakia. I said, are you going to go too? No, I don't want to leave my husband. Mm. No, she doesn't want to leave him behind. Yeah. Because who knows she'll ever see him right. you know, again. Yeah. These are re- real things. These are things that we talk to about these people in real time. And we're crying, my wife and I, too, you know, with these people. One of the young ladies, we even talked to her this morning you know, about some of the things that they need and what other people need. Mm-hmm. So it's really brought all of us together to try to be as helpful as possible in our 25 years of working with foundations and work like this has made us somewhat capable right. <laughs> to say, of, of knowing uh, what to do and how to help. Yeah, well, I mean, thank God that you have that position and that you are, you have this experience now, you know, because, you know, we never really know, understand God's plan for us for, to some degree um, until, <laughs> until it just shows up. Mm-hmm. And so you have all these connections, you have all this experience, and now we have this global crisis and... And you are here in a position that you can use your voice to get out the word and to spread knowledge and to spread information and to get everybody excited about helping out in the situation. And I might just say, too, go to www.lifenets.org. Yeah, free plugs here on Inside United. <laughs> and and you can, we have uh, a war blog going on our mm-hmm. main menu line. And uh, we also have you know, stories there and also our fund. But uh, we, we are assessing what's the best way to use money. Mm-hmm. And we don't just send it to another organization. We work with people we know so that we see exactly what's being done right. with the money. So right. it'll be very wisely used. My wife and I basically run that operation. Well, again, just thank you very much for all the work that you guys do and that I know you will continue to do on this front. And um, I think we're planning on getting back together again, maybe in a week or so, mm-hmm. and we'll uh, keep talking about this because it's important and we, wanna, we want people to know about it. Thank you, Scott. I just really appreciate it being able to talk to you about this and talk to our audience. Here. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Inside United. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media to tell your friends about us. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. We post new episodes every Thursday. We'd love to hear from you. 
please send your comments and questions to podcast at ucg.org. Have a great week. Come back soon for more. This is a production of the United Church of God. For more, visit ucg.org. Thank you.